0: Initiating, launching into this series we're calling Life of Gratitude, and we are gonna be exploring this virtue, which by the way, it's a disposition, it's a virtue that many have called the parent of many other virtues. And to have gratitude is actually to foster an environment in which many other qualities of this life-giving journey of ours is able to develop. They're, They're able to grow in a soul that has the culture, the environment of gratefulness. And so um, we're going to explore this together a little more intentionally. And I'd like us to kind of consider that gratitude has the ability to awaken our hearts, to awaken our hearts to what God may want to do in us, to what God may want to do through us, and perhaps what he's already doing all around us. Gratitude has the ability to do this. Now, we know, and some of us probably know it better than others, gratitude is not something that simply naturally happens to us. We know that gratitude or the ability to be grateful is is a disposition that requires our participation. It requires us to be willing to step into a posture, which means that our decision to do so has the potential to open up for us many opportunities of what God may want to do in us and through us. It also means that the choice is simply put, ours and ours only to make. And so, how we interact with this, how we step into this, it, it matters actually. It, it matters how we, we consider this quality in our lives. Now, in the New Testament, there's probably no man who is more um, justified in taking the exact opposite stance of gratitude than a man named Paul. He was known as an apostle. Um, But before that, he was known as a persecutor of the early church. And once he came to a place of acknowledging Jesus, the one he was persecuting, actually, was everything he said he was. The rest of his life was a a transference of events, which he was warned this would happen. Things didn't go his way. He was unjustly persecuted. He was maligned. His reputation, actually, if we could put it this way, taken, raked through the coals. He was a man who suffered much, who was abandoned, who knew hunger, physical hunger, who knew what it was like to be isolated and separated from those he loved. He knew all of these things, and yet, experiencing all of those factors in his life, which any of us would never blame such a man, such a person, forever becoming a man filled with self-pity and anger and resentment. We would never blame them. In fact, we would understand, and yet this man, this man throughout his writings throughout his letters 13 of which are in the new testament is a man who clearly shows what a life of gratitude looks like and we know this because he shared his heart through these words through these letters one letter was preempted by a moment in his life in which he found himself under house arrest, awaiting a trial before the emperor of Rome, wondering if his days would be cut short or extended by Caesar. And in a place of confinement, a group of believers who cared for him, who loved him, who had compassion for him and affection, decided to send a gift, a care package his way, a gift of provision. And um, those group of believers lived in a town or a city named Philippi, which was quite a commercial centerpiece of the Roman Empire. But I asked him to give us an idea of the lay of the land. Um, you can see Philippi is in modern-day Greece. You can see how far removed it is from Jerusalem, the center point of the, this launching of ministry, of the good news that Paul was proclaiming. And Paul inevitably ends up in Rome. And it's there that he's sitting under house arrest, knowing that provisions are inadequate at best, and these believers in Philippi decide to mobilize themselves. It's no small task 2,000 years ago to make their way to send one of their own parishioners, one of their own uh, members, and to send provisions to Paul. And it's that gift that he receives that preempts a thank you note, a note that he decides he sees as an opportunity to express to them his gratitude For what he received. And um, it's quite a note, by the way. It's a note we know as the letter or the epistle to the Philippians. And it's these words that we're going to explore here in the coming weeks. Just portions of it. But I I thought it would be good for us to explore the opening words of Paul to the Philippians. This thank you note that he wrote. If you open up your handout, we'll go ahead and walk through this together. We're told in verse 1 that Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. This is how he opens his letter up. Paul, by the way, is utilizing a convention of his time of how to communicate. It was a formal way of writing a letter. One, we first acknowledge who is the writer, who is the author of the letter. Then they would call upon their position, their title, their social standing. And then they would address the ones who were receiving this letter, this communication. Paul uses this convention. He opens up and he says, it's Paul and Timothy. Timothy, by the way, he would regard as a son in the faith. He says, he is with me. We are writing this to you. And then he uses this term, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, here's where things get a little bit technical because... This is where most people will call upon their status, their authority, the proconsul of such town, the magistrate, the member of the royal clan, the member of this family, member of perhaps businessman or woman, the one who has this power. That's how they would usually call themselves, but Paul doesn't use that. Paul uses the word servant, and we have to know that that word, it's good for us to recognize, that word in the Greek actually, I know it's a little technical, It's the word doulos, and doulos, the best translation for that word, is slave. And Paul, he could have said the apostle, that is the platform by which I am addressing you. That is the authority I've been given from God to address you. But he doesn't do that. He lowers himself. This is the beginning of his overture to them. He lowers himself. He says, "I am a man. What would be a slave?" one who has given up his rights. I'm a man without rights for the cause of Christ. I don't determine my own fate. He decides. And I'm a servant of Christ Jesus to all the saints, that is, to all who belong to him in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. And then we start to see something of his heart. He says in verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We start to see something develop. What, what is he actually saying? He is implying that he continually prays for them. That's what he's saying. And what is he saying? He's saying, when I pray for you, I am filled with gratitude. That when I pray for you, I... I thank God for you. You know what he's almost saying? He's the one who received the gift, right? You know what he's doing? It's almost from the outset, he's trying to clarify or reposition things. Listen, you think what you sent is the gift. No, you're the gift. And I thank God for you. I thank him. And every time I come before him and I recognize you're the gift he sent my way. My soul wells up with joy. Every single time I make my prayer with joy. You're the gift. And I do this because you have been partners with me from the very beginning. By the way, he's writing about a decade after he founded this church of which he had deep affections with, deep relationships with, rather unique set of circumstances. We could read about it. Interestingly enough, in the book of Acts, in Acts 16, and it's quite a story. But it, 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 is, it is a unique environment in which he is writing to them. He's saying, listen, I, I, I am very grateful for you. And I am sure of this in verse 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God did not start something and simply walk away. He will never quit on what he starts. He will do it. He will do it. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Do you see what Paul is, is actually doing here? Paul Paul is, by the way, a man known for his rough edges. He was a man who was known for his strength, his um, tenacious focus. He was a man who constantly ignored his own pain and at times had a difficult time having room for compassion for others. It's the truth. He was a man who was rough and rugged, a man who before he was the apostle, he was known as a man who was breathing violence, okay? This was that man, and although he came to know Christ, that part of him, that edgy part of him that was strong and tough, it didn't go away. It stayed. In fact, it may have been the primary reason he remained so faithful. It was that rough edge. Of, but even there, you know what he's doing? Even him, the strongest among them, what does he do? He shows that his heart is actually quite soft toward them. He is strong enough to admit he's tender for them. I hold you in my heart. I hold you in my heart. For God is my witness, he says. Verse 8. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I miss you. I miss you. And maybe because he's finding himself in a place in life where things are not going his way, where he is now confined where he cannot move freely about however he wanted, maybe in these moments of reflection, he is now recognizing or choosing to communicate his true, true heart toward them. We see in these words something profound. In verse 9, he says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. That is to say that you would be able to distinguish just how much he loves you, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that you, you would be filled with the evidence of right living that comes through Jesus Christ through the glory and praise of God. Paul is actually, you know what, he is a man who is confined. This is, this is amazing. He is a man who is confined. He is a man who is in need. He is a man who could have taken self-pity upon himself. And what does he do? He chooses to step in and Give something to the ones who gave him the gift. He says, "I my prayer is that your soul would expand with an understanding of just how much God loves you. You see that? This, this is remarkable. This is remarkable. This is a man who is confined, unjustly so, and yet he's saying, if you could hear it this way, he's, he's confined, his soul is not. And he's saying, my prayer is that your heart would just grow in its capacity to understand just how much God loves you. And as it does, as your soul grows with an abundance of his love, I pray that your life would demonstrate evidence that you understand his love. That right living would be natural, as natural as fruit growing on a tree. That is my prayer for you. Because that, that will give God glory and honor. You see, these are the opening words of a man Who decided to take upon himself the opportunity and express gratitude? He didn't just simply, by the way, we need to know this, he didn't back up into these words accidentally. This is evidence of a life that had been trained in what it looks like, had been cultivated, because even in the darkest, dreariest of circumstances, He was a man who chose to continue to live a life of gratitude, which means it gives us somewhat of a model, some things for us to consider. And in our moments we have here together, I'd like us to just dwell on some thoughts I'd like to propose. Firstly, what is Paul modeling? He's modeling that gratitude is properly placed when it is expressed toward God that it is actually properly placed when it is expressed toward God. See, he found himself in a place in which, you know what, you know what Paul did? Paul did something a little different than we might be accustomed to. He received a gift, and, and we receive a gift, we would thank the people. I hope we would thank the people who gave us the gift, right? It would be the polite thing to do, okay? Um, you know, I, somebody gives us something, well, thank you. You know, thank you for, for, that, for that gift, that generosity. You just demonstrated toward me, right? However it might be, however small or grandiose we might do it, we know that custom. You know what Paul does? He does things a little differently. You know, here, here's how he changes it up. He doesn't thank people for things. He thanks God for people. That's what he does. You see it. You see it in verse 3, right? What does he say? He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Um, if we could put it this way, we said it already, but what is he doing? He is saying, you're the gift. And I am grateful to God for you because he is the one who created you. He gave you that heart of generosity. He gave you, he gave you that impulse to care, to be affectionate, to take the risk, to send somebody my way. And I thank him for it. I thank Him for it. You know what He's doing? He's declaring something, and He's modeling something. What is that? That we are recipients of goodness, not creators of it. That might be hard for us, some of us, but this is is what He's saying. We are all recipients. We are all recipients of goodness. Now, none of us can claim that we are creators of it. He's practicing the very thing the psalmist said in Psalm 100. And I asked him to put this up there. It says in verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. This is very important. He's saying, none of us are self-made. None of us. And another place, Paul would write to them, what do you have that has not been given to you? But my skills, I developed them. Okay, who birthed that in you? My talent, I, I, I hone them, yes. But who planted that talent? We must give credit where credit is due, is what he's saying. And he's practicing. Know that he is God. He, it, it is he who made us, and we not ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving acknowledge the fact that he, there are many things to be thankful for and into his course with praise, be thankful to him and bless his name. You know what he's saying? He's, he's practicing the reality that when we start to acknowledge that God is the giver of all that is good, you know what? We start to, something starts to happen within us. This is so important for us because you know what he's doing? He, he is, He's demonstrating to us what it looks like to enjoy everything in its proper place. Things, possessions, resources, people, whatever, situations, careers. Because once we start acknowledging, Lord, you're the one who is the giver of all that is good. You know what happens? The grip certain possessions may have on us starts to weaken. Uh, The situation that we fear losing, the anxiety starts to ebb away. Why? Because if God was good enough to give that once in one period of our lives, he is good enough to give it in other periods of our lives, maybe in different ways, shapes, or forms. And so we're able to take confidence in the fact that he is good. And so I thank you. I thank you for that season, which I was able to enjoy this. I thank you for this season, which I'm able to enjoy this. Not just possessions, but then people. And we get to, we get to listen, we get to enjoy things without becoming enslaved by them. Ah, oh, so important for us. He's, God is not anti-pleasure. He's the one, come and see and taste that he is good, the psalm said. He's the one who created it. But if it's put out of its place, it actually has the ability to overpower us. Gratitude sets us free. It's um, not only does that, what else, what else does it show us? It shows us that when we start to properly place gratitude toward God, our soul starts to awaken to the many other opportunities before us. You know why? Because when we start to acknowledge he is the one, what are we doing? We're saying we're not in control. And when we're not in control, then we start to recognize, wow, it's not just this situation that you have, you're, you're the one who provided me with this. You're the one who planted me in this city. You're the one who gave me this career option. You're the one who's surrounding me with people. You're the one who has given me these talents and gifts. You're the one who's given me the opportunity. You're the one who is accompanying me in my hour of need and loneliness. You're the one. And when we start to see, we start to awaken to the fact that it's not just the world we are most concerned about and where we have opportunities to be grateful. We start to become grateful in every other area of our lives. And this is what is amazing. He was confined... And yet, he had many reasons to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You see it. It expands us. It unlocks something within us. Our attitudes begin to shift. Our disposition becomes stronger. So what he's also showing us, what he's modeling, is that appreciating people strengthens the relational bonds we've been given. This is what he's doing. He is strengthening the relationships he has been given by what? Demonstrating how much he appreciates them. Um, you know, you know what he doesn't do? You know what Paul doesn't do? He doesn't, he doesn't take them for granted. Which we could say theoretically, it's possible. <laughs> You're the church. You're supposed to be generous. Well done thank you for that gift you're supposed to give me because we are generous people. You're supposed to be good. Great. You're right. He doesn't do that. He doesn't allow the obvious to go unmentioned. He chooses to highlight it. this This is huge for us. You know why? Because this is why, by the way, a friendship or a relationship in its beginning stages is so wonderful. Because you know why? Because that all we see is the benefit they bring to us. That's all we see. They they could do no wrong, right? I mean, they could do no wrong. I don't I don't mind that idiosyncrasy. It's lovely. <laughs> it doesn't annoy me. It refreshes me, right? It's like you can't do wrong. Oh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, we're in the beginning stages here. You could, yeah. You're. I mean, all I see is your benefit to me. All I see is how refreshing you are. That's, that's what happens at the beginnings. But you know, we, 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 start to, we start to turn the corner, and we all know when we start, you know when we start to, we know we become comfortable. We know we become comfortable and feel a little safer with this relationship when, we, when that starts to switch. Because at the beginning, we might be blind to the things we might, uh, might bother us, might, might annoy us, might, might trouble us. But over time, you know what happens? It actually switches. Over time. It's inevitable, by the way. It's human nature. We're all in the same boat, okay? What happens is we start to become what? We start to become blind. Things change. We start to become blind to all the benefits they bring our way. And we start to enlarge our focus on all the things we would like to change. It's true. And some of us, over time, especially if we feel safe and comfortable, we think, you know what my gift to you is? My gift is to help you fix that. <laughs> okay? Okay? It's for your benefit, all right? I'm just making you better. You know? And look, <laughs> I know I've been guilty of this as well. It's like, my gift to you is the correct, you know, uh, to address, to, to figure out how do we fix this, right? That's, that's, that's what, what we might easily, we easily drop into it. And it's so, you know, some of us, were really good at seeing what needs to be adjusted. We're experts. We're experts, by the way, in a culture that, Elevates, we live in a place now, probably now more than ever, where the microscope on imperfections is rather strong. We do. We live in an environment in which um, we are continually, daily reminded of what needs to be adjusted, what needs to be curated, fixed, what needs to be developed, what needs to be overcome. Day in and day out, it's there all around us, everywhere, on every platform. We are in that environment. Can I say, that, can I just say this, as, there are people in our lives that God has sent our way because they are his gift to us. They really are. And there are people in our, that are meant to be a, a blessing to us. But we miss the opportunity Because we easily become a little hypercritical, a little fast to point out what needs to be fixed, a little quick to, you know, acknowledge things. And can I, you know what, the opportunity we have is to not not allow too much time to pass by before they start hearing all that we appreciate about them and all that we affirm in them. Do you see what kind of a radical change that would provide in our relationships? If we started shifting our focus toward addressing, I see something of God in this, in you. I do. And in our own way, authentically. You know what happens? And this is really hard, by the way. It's very hard. It's not easy. Why, why is it so hard? Because you know what it requires? To do it right. It requires vulnerability it requires the lowering of defenses to actually tell somebody how we feel about them you know what paul what does he say i hold you in my heart you can't get more intimate than that in my heart i hold you and i yearn for you i miss you just want you to know that you know what it requires us to lower our defenses And to be vulnerable with those around us. And I just wonder, who in our lives have we, maybe there have been too many days in which we have thought perhaps, it's just so obvious, why even mention it? And yet, we may be the only ones. We may be the only ones in in an environment in which everything that is wrong is pointed out day in and day out. We may be the only ones who actually steps in and says no. But this, this is wonderful. You are a gift to me because of this. You see how that, it doesn't just give them a gift, but it also, it deepens our, because what? A relationship that lasts, it's nurtured in intimacy. It's there that it grows. And we, just, we do not know the power of a word delivered, with love. It's significant. That is a disciplined way of life. It's a, an intentional way. It's not the easy way. It takes effort. It takes work. And what we start to see is that gratitude, listen, gratitude properly expressed, is an effective way of sharing the love of God with others. It really is. This is what he does. He says, I am, Listen, he, look, he could have sat there pitying himself. He didn't. He could have remained self-absorbed. He didn't. Instead, he took the opportunity to express gratitude. And what does he do? I pray that your capacity to understand the love of God would increase. I am grateful for you. You're the gift. And I pray that you would start to understand just how much God loves you. That is my prayer. I wonder, who in our lives, what neighbors, what coworkers, what what people in our lives have we been situated with, set, sat next to, maybe placed in our sphere? Because God actually is wondering, he's longing for us. Will you share my love with them through a grateful word? Who, who in our lives is, wait- is on the other side of that? See, We're moving into a time in which hearts become a little soft in a good way. Hearts are softened. Barriers are brought down. There is a degree of openness in our culture, and we just never know what kind of conversation a grateful word could unlock. We really don't because we never know where someone is at. Um, I was reminded of something that occurred to me about four months ago, I was, it was a Sunday, actually, much like this one. It was Sunday afternoon. I was making my way home, and uh, my way home took me through a bus route. And so I remember just getting onto Muni and sitting down. And, you know, I don't know if you've, any of us, some of us may be aware of the unique environment Muni and BART provides us with. <laughs> All kinds of things can happen there. But I remember just sitting down and um, just making my way home. And, you know, I am usually more of a private person person to tell you, and so I'm sitting there, and in comes at the next stop, in comes another gentleman who sits right next to me, and, um, you know, it's an environment in which everybody uh, has their own kind of bubble, right? I mean, we respect the bubble, you know? We have the earbuds, we have the phone, we have the book, or some of us, we just look at nobody, you know? (laughs) Respect the bubble, right? So I'm sitting there, and this person sits next to me and looks at me, acknowledges me. I acknowledge him. We kind of, and there's kind of this silent agreement. I will respect your bubble. You will respect mine. We know we're here. We're good. So we're sitting there, and we're just making our way. And as we're making our way on the bus, I hear him starting to weep. And, um, you know, my MO is usually just to respect people's privacy. But he just... Kept weeping, crying. And everyone, perhaps even more intently, was just like. <laughs> you know, but he's right next to me. So I kind of just like look off to the side, and see tears running down his cheek. Maybe I was a little tired. Maybe my inhibitions were lowered. I'm not sure. But I just decided to ask him. And so I said, hey, everything OK? And he goes, no Coming home from my grandmother's funeral. I said, Oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. He says, it's okay. She was a good woman. She lived a long life. He says, I just am so grateful for her. Yeah. He says, you know, she was a strong woman, didn't mess with grandma. She was local. She was raised in these streets. Says she was a strong, church-going woman. And in my mind, I thought, man, what can we do for them? You know, I love I love our community, and I know there are people in our community that their gift to others is the ability to pray well. That's their gift. They are a gift. And so in my mind, I thought, man, man I could tell them. I'm a minister. My church can pray for you. If I could just get your name, we could email them. We could keep you in our prayers. That's what I was thinking. I was gonna say. It. And so what I said was, what came out was, I'm a minister. We could pray for you. I thought, oh, that's not what I wanted to say. Came out all wrong. And right as I was thinking that, it's like I'm a minister and we could pray for you. As I'm saying that, he 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 puts his hand up and he slaps mine and he goes, yes. I was <laughs> like. Oh, my goodness. So I'm sitting there, and his hands clasped in mine. And at this point, no one's in their bubble, okay? <laughs> they have the earbuds in, but I know they paused the music, okay? <laughs> right? It's like every, I just feel it all around. And he's just sitting there, he's waiting, right? And he's just, <sighs> and I think, oh, my. And here's the truth. I, I didn't know how to pray for him. Lord, what? So my first prayer was, God help me pray. <laughs> and so I said something, something like, Lord, we thank you for this gentleman's grandmother who clearly loved him. And we thank you for your son who loved her, who loves him. And we thank you for the promise your son gives us that anyone who embraces you has life after this is so of everything you did on the cross and in the promise of new life through the resurrection, and there will be a day when he will see his grandmother again. And so I pray you comfort him with your love and your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. And I open my eyes in everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just felt very self-conscious. I was like, man. (laughs) Backed up into my seat and just wanted to hide, you know. And this guy next to me, just goes, man, thank you. Thank you. I needed that. Gives me his card. We start talking about his grandmother. My stuff comes up, and I had to leave. And he just impressed me so deeply, making my way down the hill to my house. I was just, man, wow. I felt like I received a gift. And I, I just decided to email him. Responds, you yeah, know, thank you so much for remembering me. I'd like my space. I like, totally understandable. Invited him to church, you know. In that first email, he asked me maybe. I only remember this story because two days ago, four months later, he emails me again and says, "Hey." We met on the bus. Is that invitation still open? I'd love to come by. And I share that somewhat hesitantly. Very special thing that happened. Doesn't happen every day. But I share it because we never know where the person next to us is actually at. We really don't. We might think we know. We might see but we actually don't know where they are truly at. And it might be possible that God is actually providing us with people in our lives that he's simply asking, will you make yourself available? Will you make yourself available? Will you express my love? And I'd like to suggest there's no more powerful way than through a grateful one. Would you do that? What would it look like if we embraced not just the holidays that are upon us, but if we embraced a way of life? What would it look like if the relationships around us start to be impacted by our capacity to choose to live a life of gratitude? We have no idea what impact it can make. The beautiful thing is We don't have to make anything happen. All we have to do is do our part. He does the rest. That's what we're invited to do. May we grow, may we courageously step into learning how to become one who is defined as one who lived a life of gratitude. We're going to be doing things just a little differently. We're going to be receiving our time of giving and our closing song, but our closing song is going to be practicing. And I encourage you to participate, sing with this idea that we've been talking about. We're going to close with a song that declares gratitude to Jesus. All right? So I'm going to pray, ask for his blessing, and we'll share in this together. Lord, we thank you We thank you, God, for um, even, even now, Lord, the people that you've placed in our lives, that you have sent as gifts to us. I pray, God, that you give us the courage to make ourselves available to the people you may be sending us to. And I ask, God, that you would help us. You would help us exercise what it looks like to grow in our gratitude first toward you, and toward everyone and everything else. Help us become people who live a life of gratitude. We ask for this, Lord. We ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.